Welcome back to Tabletop Vagabonds, a D&D 5e actual play podcast set in the homebrew world of Aria. I'm Alex Wright, your DM, and I'm joined by the aquatic Amy. I didn't know it was underwater, but I quite like it under here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm Amy, and I'm playing Melinda Renchnazol, the Sky Gnome Warlock, and I am joined by the Dancing Dave. I am the Lord of the Dance, said he. That's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, Getting very gospel I, up in here. Nice. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That, I am, that's, that's a river I, dance. It's not yeah. a gospel. No, no. I am the Lord of the Dance that he is a, is a song yeah, it, in church. It, it's a hymn. Yeah. Oh, is it? It's okay, a hymn, sure. yeah. I am the Lord dance of the Dance. Dance there, wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the Dance that he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I know that. I don't go to church. But there you go. It's not dance, is it? No yeah, I'm, I'm the Lord of the Dark. You could join his dance and you follow him to yeah, heaven. Yeah. Like, again, yeah, okay. don't know why I know this. <laughs> I just do for some reason. Mate, I had to go to chapel every Friday at school. Yeah, I never did. That hymn slaps. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there are a lot of shit hymns. Lord of the Dance is not a shit yeah. hymn. Actually, no, you know what? I did go for a while and to church and yeah, that one at least has got some beat to it rather than just being yeah. like, that dirge. <laughs> There yeah, is I think we're massively underplaying whole world in his hands here. That's the, that's, that's oh, the top yeah. one, right? Like, come on. There are some great hymns. <laughs> uh, I'm Dave. I'm playing Finn, the Larsa Artificer, and I am joined by the comical Craig. I feel like I don't have anything to follow that hymn slaps now. <laughs> if I'm honest, I feel like that was just comedy perfection. Anyway. Hello everyone, I'm Craig. I play Volley Willowsa, the eight-year-old Volmane Wild Magic Sorcerer. And as ever, I am joined by the alternative Alex. Oh, hello. Hi, I'm Alex. I'm playing Osric <laughs> Springforge. Not the original one. The second duplicitous Alex who plays Osric, the gear gnome forge cleric. With me today, in a very similar adjective, which I already had pre-planned, so I'm not just copying you. Is the additional Alex at the end. <laughs> Everyone knows the evil double always has the beard and mustache. Alex Farr is that kid who hands in the exact same homework as someone else, but two minutes later, no, I didn't copy at all. I promise I didn't copy. I can prove it. I've got a screenshot I... of a date on it and everything. <laughs> I really wish we had lined that up intentionally, but that, that wasn't intentional. It was just perfect timing. I thought I was being really clever as well. <laughs> Craig, Dave, and Amy all get an A star. Alex gets a C. <laughs> Last session, gang, you found the mouse folk. You were not impressed by their slightly shanty-esque town and their unready queen. They told you <laughs> that the Koyang had stolen the golden acorn and their enemies of millennia needed to be killed. They tried to recruit you guys to kill all the Koyang and get back the golden acorn. You used their hospitality and then quickly left in the morning. I just gave her some cheese. <laughs> oh, you gave her some cheese, you did. Before they realized you were gone, you then went in a search for the Koyang. Upon that, you stumbled across a giant cat having a nap with loads of Koyang around it. You decided to not get involved in this situation and outed there and headed on and met the actual Koyang at the village, upon which they all asked you to join them for a grand and fun nap with Raldi, their god. I think if we'd have woken them up, we might have had a different <laughs> reaction to us. I think that was the one time we did a good job of avoiding something. You all cuddled up for a nap with the Koyang on plush, lovely pillows, except for Osric, who went to go nap near a tree, and you all fell asleep. Even Volley, and Volley, you don't sleep. Nope, not really. How is Volley finding sleeping? Well, we're about to find out. Oh, okay. Because I need all of you to roll initiative for me, please. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What a way to start. Oh, my goodness. Oh, thankfully. I thought it was a one, but it was a seven. Phew! Nine. <laughs> I got nine, too. I got eight. Oh, wait. No, I was rolling initiative. Uh, so that's a 12. 14, baby. Initiative doesn't necessarily mean combat, does it? No. No. Who's got the highest? Osrico. I know you don't believe it, but me. <laughs> Melinda and Volley, you both got... Nine. Yes, sir. So both of you roll again and we'll see who goes first. Just a uh, flat D20. Yeah. I got 17. Yeah, I got 13. So we start with Osric. 
Osric, as soon as you close your eyes, you're not even aware you've fallen asleep. You open them a split second later, and you are sat at the tier council. You are on the glam tinker chair that you've seen your entire life. You know it well. Your uncle was on it. Your father was on it. Your grandfather and so on, all the way down the line. You see on the arm in Gnomish the names of all the heads of the glam tinker family who have sat in this chair. And the newest one you see there, Osric Torian, Brock Glam Tinker Springforge, which is strange because you would never have Springforge on this chair, but there it is. And you accept this, this is fine. In a circle around you are all the different chairs of the heads of the tier council. They all face in together. You know this room well. You see the dust wobbles, you see the gem hairs, the saddle rocks, the bang cobbles, and so on and so forth. So many. The only thing that's strange for those that would look in, but it's fine for you, is none of them have faces. Oh. You don't notice it, you don't care. And around you are all the clerks, and they're discussing the latest events in Tyr. And one goes up to you. My Lord Glamtinker, we are to discuss what is to be done with the war. And what's the latest on the front? That we are winning on all sides. Tyr is holding its ground. Soon we will have peace. And we must decide, once that is done, what kind of king you shall be. Oh, that's fantastic news. How soon are we? I'd say about a week away. Shall we start with the coronation? Set the wheels in motion. Don't announce anything just yet. And as you say that, you realise that the clerk talking to you's face is gone, and you hear the, a split second, a moment in time, every single head of the tier council is shouting at you about something, and it's gone. You hear the noise before you even see it's happened, and then you look out at all of them. From their brightly coloured hair, you see that blood is dripping down from their forehead and down their face. I need you to roll a wisdom save, please. Oh, dear. I'm going to be honest, for your roll, it'll be a 15. I got a 20. You got a 20? <laughs> yes, I did. So you suddenly realise something is wrong here. Something isn't right. This isn't how it should be. You're not the king of Tyr. Tyr has a council and... Yeah, democracy's great. You start remembering that you escaped here because Alfgeet, Alfgeet, and you start hearing that name over and over again in your head. In one quick motion, all of the heads of the Tyr family stand up. And instead of being faceless bodies with different coloured hair and blood going down their featureless faces, you see your family. You see your father, you see your mother, you see Brock, Myra, and your mother speaks out to you. You failed us, Osric. You failed us. And then your father starts speaking. Where were you when I died, son? Why did you go away? You cast me out. We had a... We... You wouldn't listen to me. This isn't how I wanted it to end. Brock starts talking. You were meant to lead. I died because you weren't here. I came back, Brock. I was right with you. I was with you at the end. And Myra looks up at you, tears in her eyes. Why did you leave me again, Osric? And tell me, cuz, cuz. You hear his voice before you see him. He steps round your chair as though he appeared from behind you, puts hands on either side of the arms, holding your arms to the chair, and leans in close. What was it like running from your home for a second time? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) We weren't supposed to be enemies, Alfgeed. It wasn't supposed to be like this. We were family once, remember? And yet you left your family... Didn't you, Osric? Or should I say, Osric Springforge? You feel his hands tighten on your arms on the chair, and you feel your arms getting pushed further and further into the chair, becoming one with it. Roll investigation for me as you try to find a way out of this situation. Sorry, investigation. I got a two. Oh. You start feeling heavier and... Your cousin starts laughing in your face. (laughs) And his laugh starts getting distorted. And you feel your arms go into the chair. You look down at yourself, then you look up. And you feel a gag that has come from the chair around your mouth. Your arms being strapped into the chair. Your cousin's no longer holding you down. He's standing in line with your family. And they're all just laughing at you as you struggle to get free. We are now going to cut to Finn. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
I bet you're all looking forward to this now, aren't you? <laughs> Finn, it is another normal day in Galestar. You are in your mum's basement, your bedroom. You're working on Zag. It's another enjoyable, slow day. Nothing is particularly happening. You're being left alone to tinker with Zag. Zag is looking up at you as you work on him. That'll do, Zag. That'll do. You hear a knock on the door. Hello? Hey, son. The door opens and you see that it's Crack, your father, along with your mum, Glow. Hey, Dad. Hey, Mum. Hey, what are you up to? Crack hurriedly comes over to look at what you're doing. What are you building? Wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Dad. I mean, I'm just putting some repairs to Zag. I mean, I don't know why I'm repairing him. I thought he was all right. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, but I'm just, I think I'm just trying to make him better. Here, try this. He's going to hand you a screwdriver. Try turning that bolt over there. That might do it. Sure thing, Dad. I will uh, turn the bolt on Zags. Internally, Finn, you have never been happier than you have right now. You know deep down something's different, but your father's here, your mum's here, your family again, and it's, it's right. It feels right, it is right. Roll wisdom for me, please. 15. Wisdom save. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my wisdom's flat anyway. That's 16. There's something niggling at the back of your mind. Your father's... Your father's dead. He died. D- Dad? Yeah, son, what's wrong? You look like you've seen a ghost. I think I have. You look... (coughs) 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 And he starts coughing. I could not tell if that was legit or not for a second. (laughs) I thought you just horsed your throat from earlier. (laughs) His last mask is starting to develop cracks as he coughs. Another crack and another crack. Finn runs over to him. (coughs) He falls down to the floor. (coughs) Something's wrong, son. Something... Dad! Dad, are you okay? He's going to fall onto his back like a chicken pecking at the inside of an egg. Cracks start developing on his mask and getting bigger and bigger. Can I try and cast mending and uh, second level cure wounds? For sure. So I'll try and do mending on the mask. Any effect? No. You try to do it. It's as though you've forgotten how to use essence. No magic's coming from you. What's going on? I can't. Mom, help. I can't. I can't fix him. Your mum has just been standing at the doorway staring at you. He died, son. Do you remember? He died. And as you stand over your father's body, you see the light behind his mask and in his eyes goes out. And in the fashion that happens to Lars's when they die, his body evaporates. Finn just kind of slumps down on the floor and does whatever Lars's pass for crying. <laughs> As you're crying on the floor, suddenly in the way that only happens in dreams, you're doing something else. You are still on the floor, but you're not slumped. You're scrubbing the floor. Your hands are getting red and raw as you're cleaning. And you hear your mum's laughter off to the right. You look up and they're not looking at you. They're sat on a sofa looking another way. And your mum's talking to someone and she's ignoring you. She's not paying you any attention. And you hear a voice. Make sure to clean it up, son. What? Who are you? You got to do your chores or you can't stay here, you know. Mom, who is this guy? Where's Dad? Come on, bud. Keep doing the chores and I'll let you stay here. You got to earn your rent. What rent? As you are scrubbing, Zag is going to come down to the side of you and go... And you see that he's rusting away. Come on, son. Can't spend all day just tinkering in your room. You got to earn your way. I once again try casting mending, but this time on Zag. That will achieve nothing. Roll investigation for me. That's an eight. Something's wrong here. You can't figure out what it is. But you have to keep scrubbing. You have to finish your chores. Zag, I can't deal with you right now. I've, I've got to do this. I've got to keep working. And your hands are getting bloody from the fact that you keep scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing. And we'll cut to the next one on the list. Jesus Christ, this is getting fucking like Stephen King. <laughs> Melinda, 
you were napping and it was nice, but as soon as you went to sleep, you forgot what you were doing and where you've been. And, oh, look, you're at an award ceremony. You're wearing this fantastic ball gown and you're surrounded. As you look around the room, it's the greatest minds and novelists in all of Aria. On the stage, there is a tall human who's wearing this embroidered doublet and these breeches, and he's standing in front of a microphone holding an award that you've looked up to your entire life. He's holding the Caledon Literary Award, the award for the best writers and novels in all of Aria. It's a gold statue that you've seen it. It's been on your wall your entire life, and you know this is what you strive for. He walks up to the sprite phone, which is just a little sprite who he whispers to and the sprite just shouts out what he's saying into a cone. How much louder than like just talking kind of does a sprite get? He's basically... <laughs> is it multiple sprites in one little... Yeah, it's the sprite's little chorus just shouting into a giant cone. So you kind of think, although this would never be logical in Aria, as a person from our world, why does he not just have a cone? <laughs> and the nominees are... For the prestigious Caledon Literary Award, Jerus Revenmar for Eye of the Beholder, Mirabelle Shattermast for The Wizard of Ooze, Paris of Barracleave for Pride and Prestigitation, and last but not least, Melinda Regnozzle for Musings and Manifestations, a Comprehensive Study of Essence and the Material. And he looks down at his envelope and he opens it. And the winner is Melinda Wrench Nozzle for Musings and Manifestations, a Comprehensive Study of Essence and the Material. And they all start clapping and everyone's cheering your name. These people that you respected your entire life. Some of them have been dead for hundreds of years, but it doesn't matter, they're cheering you. I'm going to stand and I'm flapping my hand in front of my face. And I definitely have got tears in my eyes. I'm slightly shocked, and maybe I'll do a little curtsy as I walk up to the uh, stage. The uh, human's going to hand you the gold statue of Caledon. already dreading how this story is going to turn. <laughs> already. <laughs> oh, I feel like crushed inside already for Melinda. You're a monster. <laughs> this little gnome, I don't know if she's going to make it through this. <laughs> he hands you the gold statue of Elephant of Caledon, who is the person this award is named after and a personal hero of yours. Please, give a speech. Thank you. Thank you so much. This award means so much to me. Elephant of Caledon has been my hero. You're all my heroes. And to be amongst you is such a fantastic moment in my life. This book means so much to me and it's really come from the heart and from my adventures, and I never thought it would leave me here. Melinda, roll wisdom for me, please. <laughs> 15. Um, I rolled a one not natural. Okay. Melinda, you take 2d6 of psychic damage. Okay, ouch. I'll roll it. So you take eight damage as something <laughs> you don't know what, and it makes you pause in the middle of your speech. Something slams you in your brain, a feeling that you don't quite understand. And as you hold your head and look back up, the people sat watching you give your speech who were cheering are now standing there smiling, but they're not cheering. And it's not these literary heroes and these great thinkers throughout time. It's, it's your professors and your classmates from college. And they're all standing there looking at you and they're, they're giggling. They're not laughing anymore. They're giggling. They're whispering to each other. And suddenly you look down and you're not wearing a ball gown anymore. You're wearing rags. And they're all just laughing at you. Is there anywhere I can run to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you could run down off the stage into the tables where everyone else is, or you could run to the curtain behind you. It's kind of one of those stages with the curtain. The curtain will do, yeah, that's fine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking the award with you? Uh, yeah, done right. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> all so I've got. <laughs> Trying to, like, cover up my rags. <laughs> As you run through the curtain, what was giggling breaks out into raucous laughter. And you know, deep down, they are laughing at you. I could never be uh, up against Paris of Boroclede for a literary <laughs> award. I'm wanting to hide. So you get in there, it's a maze. It's as though it's just curtain upon curtain upon curtain. You keep going, there's more curtains you're pushing through. 
You can keep going or you can stop. I think I will. I think if I, I can still hear the laughter and I'm still wearing rags, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Roll investigation for me as you try to find a way out of these curtains. So we're up here. Oh, it's good, it's good. I rolled 17, but my passive investigation is also 21, so... <sighs> okay, so <laughs> you're trying to go through these curtains and they start holding onto you. It grabs you, right? And that's not right for a curtain. A curtain doesn't no. grab you. And you push it off and you start being restrained. And as you look way to get out, you see the face of the statue. This person you've looked up to your whole life, its face is shimmering as though it's there and it's not there. It's silver and it's ethereal. It's physical and it's not. And you know, without a shadow of a doubt, to get out of here, you have to touch the statue's head. Oh, yeah, I'll do that then. Straight away. And instantly... You are free. Your memories are back. You know whatever happened wasn't real. You are stood in this grey place. This It's not where you were. It's not where you were before you napped. So not in the woods or...? No, it's as far as the eye can see. Just grey mist. We playing Inception. <laughs> 500 yards away, you see the outline of a giant archway. Always the archways. The bit under the arch seems to send light through the mist. And behind you, right next to where you are, you realise you're stood outside of a door. And there are doors either side of them. What do the doors look like? The door you're stood in front of appears as though it has been made of a leather-bound book. And then to your right, there's a door that seems to be made of wood. And it bows as though wind is blowing heavily behind it, although you don't feel any wind. And then to the right of that, you see a door that seems to be made of all kinds of things. Bits and bobs, things that shouldn't work together to make a door, but it's a door for some reason. And then to your left, there is a brass door that seems to be glowing through the hinges as though a bright orange fire is raging behind it, but you feel no heat. And then there are three smaller doors. (laughs) One door that is about knee height to you, and it's the plainest door you've ever seen as though it is brand new and nothing has been done to it. It's just a plain red door with a black frame. And then to the side of that are two even smaller doors. One of them looks like the most heavy metal thing you've ever seen in your life. There are flames (laughs) on the side. There is a sick demon painted on the front doing these devil (laughs) horns with his tongue out. And then the other one is just says with a hand scrawled wooden side as though a teenage kid would have in the kind of early 90s on its door. Keep out, punk's room. <laughs> I really want to go in the sprite rooms, but I don't think Melinda could handle it. But Amy really <laughs> wants to go in there. <laughs> and with that, we're going to cut to our last member of the gang to see how they do. Volley. Hello. You don't sleep. Nothing's kind of fun to try because of the Koyang, but you don't sleep. And it's as you're having this thought that you then realise you're in the grove again. Hmm. You're back home and you're walking and you don't remember why you're walking, but you know you're going towards the mother tree, towards your home. And as you do, all your fellow Volmine, who are the trees around you, are all waving at you and calling out to you and they're cheering you on and they're, they're happy to see you because you've come back from your mission as a seeker. And they call out, Hey, Volley! Welcome back, brother. Nice to see you again. And they're all just so happy to see you. And as you walk, Punk and Rock pop out the side of your shoulder. So this is the Grove, huh? It's pretty sweet, man. Pretty sweet. And uh, Rock. <sighs> yeah, it's pretty cool. We could definitely hang here. This is pretty sweet. <sighs> yeah, this, this is home. It looks like it did when I left. And you notice... Because there are other things outside of Volmine, you notice the wooden crafted animals that aren't as sentient as Volmine, but Vola creates those as well to help protect and defend the grove. And they all part for you as you go towards the giant tree that is Vola. This giant stoic tree with these plush orange leaves that irradiate light. There's no face on it, but you know it's her and that's, that's her and she's there. You know you've returned because you've achieved your mission. And all the Volmine around you all crowd around to see you get your just desserts and get your reward for what you've done. 
My child, you have returned. Fuller? And tell me, how has it been out there in the world of Arya? Have you achieved that which you believed you must? Oh, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. I, I've met many creatures and people and been to many wondrous places and seen many fantastic things. But I've seen some terrible things too. Tell me about these terrible things. I've seen species war with themselves and their neighbours. I've seen fighting amongst one species. I've seen violence and terror amongst the people. I've seen cities fall. And it's this which you wanted to see. It's this which you wanted to bring back to the grove, Folly. No, I... I just wanted to experience the world. But I didn't know what I was setting out to experience. Now I've seen it. I told you not to go because we are protecting ourselves and your brothers. And you going out there, reminding the world of the Volmene, it puts your brothers in danger. It puts the grove in danger. But it also lets us see the wondrous things in the world. I've seen the the airships. I've met people who can build things out of nothing. We hide from these, yet we can learn from them too. And is that worth the death of your brothers? No. I have seen war, yes. But I have also seen peace. And I have seen what can happen when cities reconcile themselves. I have seen what happens when species come together rather than fighting. I've seen the good in the world. Raw wisdom. <laughs> I got a nat one, also known as a four. You take 10 damage as something hits you deep inside. I told you not to go, but you did not care about your brothers. You did not care about me. You shouldn't have gone, Folly. That's, that's not true and you know it. You shouldn't have gone. Her orange leaves start falling to the floor viciously and vigorously, as though someone is pulling them from her. You are the reason the grove burns! All the Volmine around you burst into flames, and Vola bursts into flames. Is this what you wanted, Folly, when you defied your god? No! We shouldn't be so insular. And the Volmine around you start grabbing you. For your crimes, Folly, you will burn. Get it off me! You don't understand. Get off of it! Yeah, get off of what the hell, man! And one of the Volmine grab Punk. Hey, what the fuck? And it just bites off Punk's head. No! And another one throws Rock <laughs> to the ground and you see him vanish among She's the stampede of Volmine. And you are dragged towards a giant higher. Roll investigation for me, please. Absolutely savage. Investigate. Oh, that's not good. You shouldn't have gone, Volley. You betrayed your grove. You are not one of us. Five. You are thrown into a pyre and you feel the feeling which you've never, ever wanted, that you innately knew was the worst thing ever to happen to you. You feel on fire. Well, he just screams out in pain. And we're going to cut to Melinda. Um, so I'm sitting in front of these doors. When I squint down and look at the sprite doors, I'm going to figure out that each of these doors has got one of my friends behind them. And, yeah, since I can't fit in that sprite hole, even though I would really love to get in there. As you go closer to it, it gets larger. You could go through it. Oh, really? No, no. Melinda would not. All the doors are Alice in Wonderland. Even Volley's door <laughs> is not Volley's size. It's your size. Yeah, no, Melinda wouldn't go through there. And so she looks at the Bits and Bobs door and she looks at the brass door and the wooden door. Although, <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> she's mostly deliberating between the brass door and the Bits and Bobs door. And... She's going to kind of, on impulse, uh, rolled to see what, what to do. I'm going to go through the bits and bobs. Okay. So you open the door and you step through into a room of darkness. And as you step through and you hear the door close behind you, you are in a basement. It's 
strange. It's someone's basement. There are bits all over the floor, bits on the walls, tools. You hear a, a woman laugh and a man saying something to her that makes her laugh. And you hear the scratch of something being cleaned. And as you get your bearings, you realize there's a man and a woman talking to the right on a sofa. And then on the floor, you see Finnish is scrubbing away next to a rusted Zag. Zag, keep it down. I've got to clean. I've got to clean. Finn, Finn, is that, is that you? Not now. I've got to clean. I'm going to like bend down to like try and look at his face. <laughs> Possibly try and almost stop him from cleaning. Roll your wisdom check again, Dave, with advantage. If you're trying to stop him from actually cleaning. Yeah. Obviously, if he resists, it might be different, but it's just... A 15. You didn't really notice Melinda before, but now you realise she's holding your arm and looking at you in your face and this isn't right. This isn't real. This is what? Mal? Mal, Mal, why are you in my house? Wait, why am I in my house? What's going on? Um... Do you remember the Koyang? I think this is a dream. We need to get out of here. Koyang? If it's anything like mine, you don't want to. Can I see the door still? No, the door's gone. Hmm. Can I try and see where it was? Yeah, it's just a wall. There's nothing there anymore. I think you've got to wake up. Uh, I really hope we can get out of here. Wake up? What are you talking about, Mal? Remember the big Koyang? The glistening glades? Yeah. Yeah, we we saw the really big cat and we went to sleep. Yeah, you see? And I think this is that that dream we're in right now. This is the dream that Raldi put us into? I know. I mean, if yours has been anything like mine, I'm not sure that I enjoyed it, but... um. I look down at my hands and go, I'm not going to lie, Mal, I'm not enjoying this! <laughs> 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 my hands scarred and ruined <laughs> do do the voices upstairs react to like finn raising his voice no they don't they absolutely spend no attention to you it's as though they're on a video playing you hear occasionally you gotta keep doing your chores no relation to what you're doing at all let's just try the front door Oh, okay. Um, just ignore everything you see, Mal. It doesn't represent me. <laughs> Finn, as you go to the stairs of the basement, you take your first step onto the first stair, you appear back at the wall behind it. Like a reset in a video game, you just don't go off screen. Uh, that's not how stairs are meant to work, Mal. There must be a way out of here. Look, can I take a closer look at um Zag? Yeah, you can. Zag is on the floor, rusted, dead. Oh, as dead as a robot can be. <laughs> God. Um, are you still holding the scrub brush, Finn? Uh, no, I think they're on the floor, covered in blood. Okay. There's got to be something here that will get us out of here. Uh, what were you doing? Was there something good happening here before? Um, no. <laughs> Not really. Uh, let can me, I just let start me... looking through his tools in the basement? Yeah, can I uh, do an investigate check on the room, see if there's anything that stands out? You can both roll whatever you're searching, yeah. I just, I'm like, just assuming that there'll be some Nat kind 20. of tool. Okay. Nat 20? Nat 20. Okay, so Finn, as you think about, was something good happening here before, the only thing that was good that you could think of was when you were tinkering with your dad at your desk. And as you look over to your desk, there is a screwdriver that he handed you that is shimmering. You know innately this is the way out. I go and pick it up. And in a flash, both you and Melinda are now in that grey space with the mist outside the doors. What? Uh... Oh, thank goodness we're back here. I mean, I don't know if that's good, but at least we're out of there. Back look, here, I thought we were meant to wake up. This this isn't where we were sleeping. What's going on? I, look, Finn, I don't know. This is where I got to too. But look at these doors. Volley and Osric must be behind here. Don't you think? Yeah, those look like they're doors. But uh, I don't know. This this door looks super cool. And he points at the rocker door. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I really want to look at that door. I know, but... me too. <laughs> no, I don't. Maybe once we found Volley and uh, Osric. Um, maybe, maybe then, maybe, uh, I mean, I think Volley would love to see in that door. 
To be clear, sorry, there are doors for all of you, then there are three other doors. Yeah, because there's, there's also what I assume is probably Zag's door, but... Zag gets a door. Awesome. He gets a dream. Zag's sentient, yeah, to some level. I had a lot of uh, do uh, Android's dream of electric sleep moments while writing this, but yeah, I, I decided Zag is sentient. Yeah, okay. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Look, why don't I take Osric's door and you take volleys? Yeah. Just like yours, we need to find a way to wake them up and get them back here. I don't like this Koyang business. If this were a bill of goods, this is not what we were promised. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. At the very least, I was kind of hoping to be rested. <laughs> <laughs> it's more comforting now that Finn is here, but it's not comforting. So I think that I'll like go through the brass door. And I'll go through Volley's wood door. Okay. Finn, you go through the door. It's a black room. And as the door closes behind you, you are now in a burning wood. You feel the heat on you, but you know it's not real. It's a strange heat. It's not a yeah. real heat. So I can feel the heat emanating, but I don't feel like it's going to harm me. Yeah, you don't have that innate need to pull away from the flames. And in the air, you hear that there's a group of Volmane gathered around a giant burning pile of something. And they're all stood there quietly watching with these evil glowing grins on their face that can only be done through the essence of a Volmane, that kind of giant energy smile, but distorted in a horrible way. Evil smiling pumpkins. Exactly, yeah, yeah. As though they are all Jack Skellington. There's this giant tree in the distance that, although is huge, doesn't draw any other attention to you. But what you do hear is this consistent, agonizing, sheer fear and pain shout and scream in the air. Sounds like Volley failed his checks. (laughs) (laughs) I'll run towards the screaming. Volley! Volley, you out there! You'll have to push through the Volmane on fire, but again, you know it's not. Yeah, yeah, I shove through them, uh, knowing from my dream that it, they're basically just... None of them seem to react to you at all. Get out of my way! You see two Volmane on fire holding Volley down by either arm as he wriggles and shouts in pure agony. Can I uh, flying drop kick them off him? Yeah, roll to hit. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Uh, so, an arm strike, I'm guessing. Yep. You're not going to believe it. Not 20. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking crit twice in a row. Roll damage. Um, two? Two damage. Well, yeah, an arm strike only does one damage. <laughs> so, um, I mean, oh, dear. I can't roll higher. <laughs> okay. Also, it's kind of in keeping with the fact that I'm a little Finn (laughs) who has a minus one to strength. I'm not exactly a brawler. (laughs) Even my crit strike only does two damage. Am I about to 1v70 these (laughs) Volmane? Volley, Mm -hmm. roll your wisdom check with advantage as Finn has broken the scene that you're trapped in. You have 15 to wake up. 18. You are in that state of I've just woken up a bit of haze from this dream you're in. Do I still feel pain from the fire? No, the pain is gone. Okay. As I realise that the fire is not real, I'm going to stop screaming and yelling. And I'm probably going to take a minute to just kind of get my bearings again. An actual minute? Well, no, not a minute. (laughs) Just like a second. Just like have a little look around and then I'm going to try and break free and then as I try and break free I would probably see Finn fly and dropkick one of the Volmane the Volmane has turned to Finn Finn is facing him and one Volmane is still holding your other arm can I try and break free from that yeah roll strength hey Volley I think I've made a mistake (laughs) Uh, Finn Volley are you okay no I don't are you no! <laughs> How are you here? What's what's going on? I can't break free. Because I can roll an eight. He actually got a six, so you have break free. Oh. <laughs> Finn, just run! 
And then Volley's going to jump off the pyre and try and run. Try and run? I want to take you with me. Okay, roll Dex to grab Finn on the way out. You'll get an attack of opportunity from the Volmini that's next to Finn, but other than that. Seven. Uh, no. <laughs> you tried to grab Finn, but the burning Volmini is in the way. Okay. Can I do anything else? Uh, that'll probably be your turn. Do you want to keep running or do you want to stay with Finn? Uh, if I can't get hold of Finn, I'll turn and probably swing for the flaming Volmini to try and get Finn free. Okay. I'm not restrained. He's not restrained, no, it's just you couldn't get Yeah, but you're engaged with this Volmini, so I would... So you would have stopped, basically, because you did your check. You did your check and... Yeah, yeah, you stopped, yeah. Okay, so the first one to act will be the Volmini, who is next to Finn. Um, I'm going to roll a d20 plus four. Did you freaking crit? That's the look of a DM who just crit. I freaking quit. <laughs> I freaking crit. I quit because I crit. I crit. I, f- I crit. I freaking God damn crit. It. Uh, so the Volmine is going to smack you across the face, Finn, and you get eight damage. Oh, fuck's sake. Finn just got pimp slapped by a tree. They're not saying anything to you. It's it's almost a sleepwalking state, and the other one is going to go for you, Volley. Great. Uh, 14 to hit you. Yep, that will hit. God, I forgot how low your AC is. Yeah, I don't basically have any. Do 11 damage. <laughs> Finish your turn. Just to be clear, do I have my gear on me? Yeah, you do. You have all your things on you. Except Zag. Except Zag, yeah. That's a pain. Well, I guess I will cast Jump on Volley. Okay. And then I will leap into his arms. <laughs> okay. Very nice. Yeah, I basically swing my speaking spell focus around him and strap it on his back like a little, like, sort of jump pack, like a little jet pack. And I am holding, like, a little button and I just yell, Jump Volley! And I cast Jump on Volley. It's now Volley's turn, so... His jumping distance is tripled. If he wishes to jump, I strongly advise it. <laughs> so I have one hit point left. <laughs> what? So um, I am kneeling, and uh, the cracks in between my wood are so dim. If I'd known that, I would have bonus action healing word you. That the light is basically gone. And I very shakily say, Finn, we have to leave now. Volley, jump! Okay. And then with every ounce of energy he's got, Volley attempts to jump away. Okay. How far does jump get you? Uh, Triple his normal uh, jumping distance. Okay, so you can jump over the burning Volmine away from the fight, far into the Grove Woods. Okay. I will do that. We will not land gracefully. (laughs) (laughs) It will be a heap of Volmine and Lassa on the floor as Volley looks at Finn and he says, Finn, I'm sorry. Uh, So I slide my speaking spell focus off his back and uh, as with previous times uh, using Cure Wounds, some little uh, sort of prongs pop out when I press a button and I basically stab them into volley and essence starts flowing into him and healing his wounds. So that's uh, 2d8 plus 2. You get 11 HP. Okay. (sighs) I'm sorry, Finn. I just want to do good in the world and I can't do it without you. Don't worry, volley. We've just got to get out of here. You see the essence glow in the cracks of his bark get a little bit brighter. Not quite full brightness, but they get there. How are you in the grove? Why are we in the grove? What? We're not in the grove. We're in a dream. Raldi, remember? We were in Raldi's dreams. Raldi? The Koyang? Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, they're these kind of, um, to put it bluntly, fucked up nightmare scapes. Yeah. Which is not really what we signed up for. Uh, we just need to find our way out of here. Is there anything around here that sort of stands out to you that, that looks odd? We just need to find it. Um, Roll investigation with advantage. Oh, okay. Eight. 
Oh, really? Okay. You really seem to be obsessed with eight. Because my second roll was a six. Okay. You're looking around and you can't see anything that's particularly different. And you're in this burning wood. And we're going to cut to Hmm. Melinda. So I've stepped through the brass door. You step through the brass door into, again, a black room. The door closes. And in the blink of an eye, you are in an ornate brass room. Just by being here, you can tell it's high society gear gnomes. There are chairs in a circle, each one with the sigil of their esteemed house. And behind it, there are paintings of what you can only tell to be high society gear gnomes throughout the ages. What gets your eye most is in the center of the circle, all with their backs to you, facing a chair, you see five gnomes with fiery red hair, albeit some of them looking a bit worn and gray, staring at one chair on the other side of the circle from you. One by one, they're all saying various things to this chair you can't see. You failed us. You let them all die, cuz cuz. What good are you? Why did you abandon us? You recognise one of those voices as being Brock and one of them as being Alfki, but other than that, the other voices you don't know. Oh, you recognise Vera's voice as well because yeah. you did meet her. But yeah. other than that, you don't recognise the other voices. Oh, and Myra, shit. You recognise all of them yeah. by one? Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you met all of them, um, apart from one. Um. So if I kind of tipped over, could, can, Osric, can I appear over the top of them so that Osric would be able to see me? If they've got their backs to me and they're looking at this chair that I must, you know, it's a fair assumption that it's Osric. You're all gnomes, so you're all kind of the same height. You can tiptoe over them. I would... I'd probably be struggling a little bit, but I wouldn't be shouting. I'd probably be mostly just letting it hit me. Just this barrage of horrendous statements just sinking into me. I will look incredibly depressed. It's not a good time for him. So that's what you see of Osric with a restraint around his mouth and his arms being restrained onto the chair. Resignation. Um, so I'll kind of try and catch your eye, but I guess, yeah, you probably aren't looking. Before I interrupt this scene, I don't really want to... I'm scared of the dream people. They might laugh at me. Um, can I <laughs> investigate to see if there was any, like, item that's a bit, like, been found? Um, around. I'm not going to make you roll for that. You won't be able to find anything. No, okay, that's fine. Um... Mm, I know they're not real. I know they're not real. Melinda's saying out loud. Osric! Osric! And then can I, with my mage hands, pull off the... Because I don't want to, like, touch those guys yet. Just kind of just shouting um, from behind well, the crowd. Sorry, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but I assume that was bronze as well. Sort of another chair band over my mouth. Yeah, everything... everything sorry, oh, every, everything is. All right. The, the way I see it is like the Iron <laughs> Throne in, in Chronicles or whatever it is. It's just... Yeah, the, just the chair imagine, has... like, the bronze itself had formed... Oh, this is yeah, exactly. horrible. He's encased in the bronze chair, yeah. <laughs> this is just <laughs> dreadful. Yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this either, but good luck. <laughs> Great. God, can you just clean the floor like Finn? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to um, raise my voice to kind of capture Osric's attention. Osric! Osric! It's just a dream! This isn't real! Osric, roll wisdom with advantage, please. Come on, Osric! 24. Okay, you... Because it's so high, you know this isn't wrong. You know this isn't real. You know your family. Instantly, in a flash, you are back to Osric. You know what's going on. And as you Mm -hmm. do... Now that you're aware, the restraints break is brittle metal. They just break away. As they break, my eyes will snap open straight looking at you, Melinda. Mal, you're here. This... I don't know how you're here, but thank you for coming. This is... None of this is real, is it? No. Where are we? It's those Don Koyong and their naps. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> we need to get out of here. We're looking for something odd. Anything here that... Odd? What? What do you mean, odd? Something good. Was something good happening here before? Um, Alex, can I investigate that? Yes, you can. There's, uh, definitely, a, uh, there's definitely a pattern to all of these games. Uh, yes, you can. 19, <laughs> 19, baby. Yeah. And I'll explain while I like, kind of talk very hurriedly at you. Yeah. So I'm looking for something from the good part of what I experienced. Is that right? Yeah. All right. 
There's a, there was a trophy and there was a screwdriver and something really great. Some, something good. As you look around, one thing seems to shimmer in and out and it's on the arm of the chair. You've seen it before, but now you're seeing it for the first time in a different light on all the names on the arms of the chair that go up and down of all the previous Glamtinker heads of the family on the council. The final name, Glamtinker, is shimmering on all of them. And you know that all of your being, everything that makes you you, is calling out for you to touch the name Glamtinker. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll, I'll reach for that. Do I have both hands in the dream? Uh, no. Oh, what? <laughs> no, nah, that's fine. I just wondered if the dream self would be whole. That's fine. It's just an interesting little quirk. Um, I will reach out for that with my with my left hand then. And as I do, I want to look up at the... Uh, I'll call them ghosts. I know they're not really ghosts, but all of the spectres of my family. Can I see their faces as I reach for my name? They are all staring at you with just blank expressions. They've stopped shouting things at you. Mm-hmm. Despite everything, it was good to see you again one last time. And I'll touch my surname. And like that, you are awoken in the grey, misty land. And you're back in the room. <laughs> We're going to cut to Volley and Finn quickly. I don't think I'm as good at this as Mal was. It's <laughs> OK, Finn. I guess we're just rummaging around the woods looking for something that I like, that I find happy. Is that what Finn said? Yeah, so you are still lying on the floor after jumping. I will allow you to make one more attempt to see something that doesn't feel like it's right with the world. This will be a flat one, though. It won't be with advantage because you've already had that. Finn, what am I looking for? Something that you've made you happy. Something that was... Gave you joy in your dream earlier. Nothing gives me joy here. Oh. Something must, Volley. I got nine. Volley, you've been through hell. You've been burnt alive. You've seen Punk and Rock be murdered. The Mother Tree and all the Volmane have been burnt on fire. You cannot for the life of you figure out this is, even though it's a dream, this is hell. Finn, nothing makes me happy here. Like, my people are insular and weak. We, we shy from conflict. We shy from, from arguing against things that are, are wrong in the world. We don't fight for the good in the world. We just sit in this wood and exist. We don't do anything about it. I, I didn't realise that until now. There must be something that made you happy here. If it's anything like my dream, there will be something, something important, something, something that means something. We've just got to find it and we'll get out. The only thing I can think of is, huh, Folly just walks towards you and just puts his hand on your shoulder. Ah, oh, I really thought that was going to work. Swing and a miss, Folly. Swing and a miss. Yeah, I really thought that's going to work too. Wait, what? And Rock comes up from behind Finn's shoulder, just... I really thought that was going to be a really powerful moment. Kind of learn about the power of friendship and, and that the family is the one you choose, you know? But, uh, hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Rock! Well, wait, where's, where's Punk? Uh, I think he uh, lost his head. <laughs> well, he's, he's always doing that sprite dust. But seriously, where is he? Volley, when you look at Rock, he is shimmering in and out of existence. I, I don't know, man. I thought he'd be enjoy the ride, but, uh, you know, we left a lot of sprite dust behind, so it's all right, oh. it's all right. Well, come on, hop on him. We'll see if we can find him. And as he hops on your shoulder, both of you are transported into the grey world with Mist beside Osric and Melinda. Wait, wait, where's, where's, where's Punk? Finn, Volley, I've... <sighs> You've been having the strange dreams as well. Osric, are you okay? Well, uh, I tell you, it's one of those dreams I'll probably be remembering for some time. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Folly doesn't say anything. He just gives Osric a big hug. Volley looks across at Melinda with one arm outstretched and then Finn with the other arm outstretched. Guys, get in here. 
and Volley attempts to orchestrate a big group hug. Um, I'll go in for a half-hearted hug for sure. I'll awkwardly allow it. Sure. <laughs> Vin will definitely go for it. It's been emotionally uh, battering this day. Oh, yeah. Volley's going to squeeze on and he's going to say, I'm sorry for losing my temper. I just, I've learned a lot about myself. In the dream and in the last six months, and I think it started to get the better of me. Uh, I don't mean to take it out on you guys. I think we've all learned a bit about ourselves today. Yes, quite right. Volley, I think that maybe there's something that might cheer you up. Look at this tiny little door down here. And then I'll point at the doors. But I do definitely want to come in too, but I will gesture to Volley at the uh, tiny little sprite doors. As Melinda says that, Finn will, like, his head will sort of, like, pop up and then he'll run towards Zag's door. As you run towards Zag's door, it, along with Punk and Rock's doors, will shatter into a million pieces... (laughs) What? Before evaporating away. What? Wait, I, I, wait, I wait, what? Why are you in the mist? Who says that? You turn to see where the voices come from, and through the mist emerges this hulking, eight-foot-tall, red beast. A broken horn on one side, a sharp one on the other, barefooted claws, spikes protruding all over its body, Carrying over his shoulder a very oversized, almost anime-esque sword. You should not be here. Your friends have been lost to the nightshade now. And that's where we'll end our session. Ah, what? How (laughs) ironic that this session means I'm probably not going to sleep tonight. Where's (laughs) Zag? Give me back my red panda, you bastard. That was a roller coaster. That really was. Gosh, I feel so very traumatized from that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to need therapy now. That, I think, is probably my new favorite episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to everyone's favourite part of the episode. Everyone hates the normal episode. Hey, we're all here for this, aren't we? It's the outro, and I'm here with the one, the only, the hero and saviour, that is Melinda slash Amy. Hello. Yes, I never knew that uh, Melinda would be so adept in a dream world. (laughs) (laughs) It clearly was her zone, right? Yeah, she really, yeah, she just sees deceptions and uh, basically never really relaxes, so... (laughs) Let's start, if that's all right. I want to chat about Melinda's actual dream first. Oh, yeah. So in Melinda's dream, oh she God. was winning an award, a literary award. Yeah. Just thinking about this, is breaking her heart all over again. So, yeah. <laughs> this was something that I didn't really know Melinda was going to be doing, like, when she was travelling around, when she set off to Unity Day all those many moons ago. But since it's definitely turned out that she's really gotten into journaling, and so in her, in her dream... She was finally getting the praise and recognition that that wonderful tale should get. I'm hoping that Melinda's book will come out and coincide with the Tabletop Vagabonds podcast award that we'll be getting in, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> in yeah, a few yeah. years' time. And then suddenly everyone will turn into, like, evil demons. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> if we ever get an award, we won't be going to the awards ceremony. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. So I think it'll be interesting to delve a little bit to Melinda in this outro. Her dream was this award with these literary figures that she idealises, and then it turns. Yes, terribly so. And with all the characters, I tried to have the dreams turn into a warped version of their own fears, worries, and nightmares, if you will. So with yours, it turned into everyone laughing at her and her wearing rags. And I'd like to discuss why. Not that this is a psychology podcast all of a sudden, but I think it'll be interesting for the audience to get a little bit more of a glimpse at Melinda. Yes, well, it does give, um, like, you occasionally get snippets of uh, Melinda's backstory, but she was not of high birth. And uh, hopefully if we ever go to uh, Galestar, you'll uh, get to meet the wrench nozzles because uh, she's from a big family and they often forgot about her. And honestly... When she got into studying and worked her way up um, and became the Melinda we all know and love, her family are very confused by this. They're 
sort of the Earth uh, mechanics working on the airships in Galestar. And literally, I think it's her worst fear that the gang will meet her family and discover that sh she's not as, uh, <laughs> as well to do as she perhaps comes across. I feel like sometimes in moments you might get a hint of a slightly different accent, but because she's always trying to uh, prove that she's worth more than she thinks she is. Following on from that then, Melinda, before this whole adventure, you are on your way from Lirana's College of Essence and the Material, which is the place to go. It really is. For those that, actually, exactly, for those that study how to manipulate. If you're ever in Aria, Melinda says this is the number one spot. Like, I don't even visit anywhere else. Like, they say, Tears, cool, got the cogs. But no, Lirana's College is the place to be. It's where you learn about essence and there's a lot of people there. There's so many books. The libraries are the stuff of dreams. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was uh, where, where Melinda was. And she really, the, the you know, it's interesting to be in the glistening glades. And I think in retrospect, she'll be pleased that she's been here, but she is not enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a completely different world from the college. And it's kind of been not a downward spiral for Melinda, but further and further from what she understands is society or at least holds in ideals. Absolutely, yeah. Oh yeah, there's no doubt that she's a bit snobby about uh, this part of the world. <laughs> but now she finally had her moment of triumph by saving the gang, basically. She was the only one, you were the only one that didn't roll terribly. Yeah. You guys would have gone into a place. You guys would have gone to a place. I don't think it would have been a good place based on where we, where <laughs> we escaped from. That was only going to get worse, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah, Melinda saw through it, you know, she, for whatever reason, realised that maybe the people weren't being so mean after all, uh, and managed to escape. And then, yeah, freed Finn and Osric, and Finn freed Volley, so... Uh, and it was also interesting for Melinda to see what the nightmares Finn and Osric were in as well. Um, I feel like she's not really had a chance to think about that yet but um and obviously Osrix makes quite a lot of sense probably not going to needle that too much he's kind of still grieving <laughs> but not much to unpack there yeah. just a whole lot of misery, whole lot of misery. <laughs> but uh yeah I mean Melinda thought that Finn's nightmare seemed fairly low stakes um she's had to do yeah. a fair bit of scrubbing floors you know in her past so uh, <laughs> uh but yeah I feel like she she'd like to know a bit more about that so, hero that is Melinda slash Amy, <laughs> why don't you tell the gang in the big, massive, wide world where they can find out more about Tabletop Vagabonds? Yes, on Instagram you can find us at Tabletop Vagabonds. We're posting pictures and updates and wonderful things. And we also have a website, which is what, Alex? www.tabletopvagabonds.com or if you're super old school is HTTPS <laughs> I don't know what that is yes www.tabletopvagabonds.com <laughs> that's right that's on the interwebs and on that you can also find our Patreon that has what Amy? The Patreon has loads of amazing uh, bonus content that we're recording and you can listen to our lovely voices. Uh, this month we finish off our adventures. We've been scuttling around mouse folk size in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Less than mouse folk, quarter of an inch, I believe, was the uh, Disney oh, lore yes, on that Yes, indeed. One. So much smaller than mouse folk. <laughs> uh, that, that would be a slightly lower stakes film. Um, yeah. It has not been going according to the plot, so if you haven't seen it, don't worry about spoilers. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, on your pod feeds, you can rate and review. Yes, yes. Five-star reviews are very much appreciated. Yes, please. They are the lifeblood of podcasts. If we were a starving vampire in the daylight, clinging on to life, we would want the... <laughs> yes, come on, come on. We would want the five-star reviews. <laughs> because they do, in, <laughs> in the stupidest way possible, they are, honestly, as far as I can tell, the best thing for people around the world to find out about our podcast. So thank you to everyone that's done one. 
We massively appreciate it. And if you haven't, if you could, that'd be awesome. Don't feel like yeah. you have to, but it's a big help. So thank you if you can. And thank you Absolutely. if you do. If you do, Alex will give, do more uh, accent workshopping in the uh, outros. <laughs> One, two, three reviews. More. <laughs> It's not catch up. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yes, here's a preview of an NPC coming at you soon. This episode was sound mixed by the Koyang Slayer. That is Matt Birch. Thank you, Matt. Yes, he's marvelous, Matt. Uh, Ooh, he gets a little ration. Yes, like we have to do some more alliteration. He's included. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I should alliterate him every episode. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. <laughs> that's all for now. And we'll see you next time.